The passage that I bring to your attention this evening is in the closing verses of Matthew chapter 11, where the Lord Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor under heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And yes, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This morning we've all heard the call to discipleship. The Lord Jesus calls us to take up his cross, deny ourselves and follow him. And undoubtedly there would have been people listening to him who would have been quite down, daunted by the call of discipleship. In fact, that was happening at the very time that the Lord Jesus said those words. And if you were noticing the context, it was as if the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ was reaching a watershed. Uh, John the Baptist had come to the end of his ministry and uh, his following was largely transferring to the Lord Jesus Christ. But there were two things that were happening. Uh, as the Lord Jesus was increasingly popular by those who sensed who he was and those who had spiritual burdens in their lives, there was also increasing opposition from the authorities and those who had no concern to, to hear and to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus is conscious very much that there is a division going on in the Jewish community. There are those that are humbly listening to his words and learning of him, and there are those who are increasingly hardening themselves against his words and opposing him. And these words are, are, are largely addressed to those who feel the burden of life. Of course, there's an embedded warning there to those who are hard-hearted. Uh, if we are really honest with ourselves, there are times when we get really burdened by the situation that we're in. It may be an individual matter, it may be a family matter, it may be something in the community, in church life, it may be things that, that are going on in the world. And you know how sometimes we listen to the news and, oh, we, you know, what's going to be the end of all these things? And we can easily get weighed down. <clears throat> this week um, I've been preparing a, a lecture for the Evangelical Library on a man called John Lothrop who went from Kent to um, the colonies of America. Um, the first part, the, the, the uh, second pastor of the first independent church in London. And uh, I got a tract written that I got from America years ago, and I couldn't find it. I actually had to resort to tidying my study <laughs> uh, in this hot weather. And uh, uh, I can't find it. And I feel really burdened. I've got so many books and so many tracts, and I've tried to tell myself uh, a method of classification. But I'm not quite as bad as a newspaper seller in the United States. Um, he sold books and magazines on the street. And uh, one day, um, his printed material, which he got in his house uh, and stacked from floor to ceiling, collapsed and buried him alive. He was under a mountain of paper for two days. And emergency workers took 50 rubbish bags uh, as they dug him out and took away the debris. Now that is what you really call being weighed down and burdened. Um, 
And yet, if we really think about it ourselves, we, we, we are often burdened. We're, we're, our heads are full of information these days, aren't they? We, yeah. Google's done us some favours, but it's also added somewhat to the burden of life of our knowledge. And uh, sometimes there are spiritual things about our lives that we feel quite overwhelming. And uh, the Lord Jesus is very conscious that some of his people are feeling like that, and the unbelieving world is also feeling the weight of the pressures and burdens of life without finding relief. So let's look at this passage. The Lord Jesus begins with a public prayer to his Father. Verse 25, at that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. The Lord Jesus spoke this openly. He prayed so that others would hear him pray. The Lord Jesus is calling attention to his unique relationship to his Father. And he's coming with that wonderful sense of resting in his heavenly Father's will. And he's praising him no matter how difficult his public ministry is becoming. And he's confessing and owning publicly that he's absolutely at one with his Father's will. And in particular, he is referring to the things concerning the kingdom. The Lord Jesus has been sent into the world by the Father, and the Lord Jesus has taken on the calling to bring the kingdom of God on earth. And if we are members of the Lord Jesus Christ and belong to him tonight, we are part of the kingdom of God, a place where we are safe, provided for, but it's a place also where we should be showing loyalty and commitment to the Lord Jesus and to his people. But the Lord Jesus goes on to say that these things, the things concerning the kingdom of God on earth, are hidden from the wise and the learned. What does the Lord Jesus mean by speaking about people like this? These are people who are intelligent, who are well-educated, nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But these are people who rely on their human wisdom to know God and to know how to live. Paul himself was a brilliantly educated scholar but when he became a Christian he did not forsake his intelligence his learning was very useful to him and he's working the kingdom but he forsook his own wisdom and submitted to the wisdom of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fact is that people who are highly educated very often wealthy powerful and talented they're often some of the most difficult people to reach with the gospel because they, they, they think they've got it all. They think they know it all. Uh, they, they think they're above humble Christians who submit their minds to what God has spoken in his word. And uh, it's very easy for uh, learning and for having a sharp mind to be a barrier to the kingdom of God because we can become self-sufficient as we were being reminded this morning. 
we can be self-satisfied and uh, we can think that we don't need the kingdom of heaven and we don't need to learn of the Lord and yet uh, that is exactly the problem that Jesus is highlighting that uh, the Jewish leaders the ones who are high up in society the priesthood the elders all of these people uh, were so hard-hearted so antagonistic to the Lord Jesus and you see that is the problem that the wise and intelligent don't submit to God's wisdom God is far from the atheist the atheist doesn't think he needs God doesn't think he needs anything spiritual and uh, that has always been the case in the world even if people don't articulate the fact that they are atheists they live as atheists they live as if God didn't exist they live as if God had never spoken they live as if Jesus Christ had never walked the earth and uh, they are not uh, submitting the apostle Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 2 things which the which eye has not seen or ear has not heard and which have not entered into the heart of man all that God has prepared for those who live it, uh, who love him for to us God revealed them through the spirit for the spirit searches all things even the depths of God Paul is making it clear that when Jesus came suddenly the world had all it needed to know that would lead to eternal life, that would lead to knowing God, that would lead to reconciliation with God, that would live to a meaningful and satisfying life. And it has come by the work of the Spirit. (coughs) As Paul said, the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, and he can't understand them because they're spiritually discerned. You remember I told you about the uh, actor this morning, Ralph Little, who just was absolutely stunned when he learned his uh, great-grandfather was an was a international footballer who gave it up after one match because his heart had been changed uh, and he wanted to have a more fulfilling purpose in life than entertaining people and making a reputation for himself. Unbelievers don't understand the way Christians live. But Jesus said, those are these people who don't understand these things are revealed to little children to little children now the just as the wise and learned doesn't refer to mental educate mental ability or a level of education so little children in the words of the lord jesus doesn't refer to physical age or a capability but it refers to a humble teachable attitude The contrast between the wise and babes here in the words of the Lord Jesus is not between the knowledgeable and the ignorant or the educated and uneducated or the brilliant and the simple. It's a contrast between those who think they can get God's approval by their own achievements and those who know they can't know God that way and rely on God himself coming into their lives and into their hearts. The age range the Lord Jesus is talking about, uh, little children uh, and babes, is really referring to little ones who can't yet eat solid food. Uh, They probably haven't got their teeth yet, or they've not yet learnt to speak, or they're helpless 
you see, the, the, the thing about a baby is it's utterly dependent on others to provide everything, uh, to provide the food, the change of clothing, and all those other things that uh, has to be done to babies. Um, a baby's got no skills or resources of its own. It relies on the love of a mother or a father. And uh, Jesus is referring to people that come to know him because they acknowledge they're helpless. They, they, they can't make their own way to heaven. They can't make up their own ideas that will lead them to know God. And it is to these that Lord Jesus says he reveals himself. It's to the poor in spirit, those who confess that they haven't got it all and they are lacking in some of these vital departments in human life. And they... they, 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 they Reach out to God. What does a baby do when it's hungry? It can't get out of the cot and, and go and tug its mother. Uh, it, it can't uh, signal or speak. But it's got another method of making its mother know it's hungry. And it can be very loud. It's a cry. A cry that makes known there is a need. And that's exactly what happens to a person who comes to know God. There's a cry out to God. There's a calling on the living God. This is what the Lord Jesus is referring to. There are people who, well, they, they know so much and they think so much of themselves and what they've learned and what they know and, and the way they live, which is better than so many who don't know any better. Uh, and the Lord Jesus says, yeah, they don't know God, but there are people who look at themselves and they look at their limitations uh, and they look at their inadequacy and they've not come to know the things that will lead them to peace with God and hope of eternal life. And they cry out to God. Now, the Lord Jesus goes on to say something else. <coughs> Let me repeat, repeat what the Lord Jesus has said um, in, in this passage. He, he said prior to this, in uh, verse uh, 25, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, you've hidden these things from the wide and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. The Lord Jesus is acknowledging the wisdom of God's ordained ways. When we find people don't respond to the gospel, we sometimes ask ourselves, what else can we do? When we witness to our loved ones, or to colleagues, or to neighbours, and even when we make the message very clear, and sometimes some of us preachers feel that God has been speaking to us, but there doesn't seem to have been any fruit coming from it. We ask ourselves, what can I do? How can I, what can I do to make the message clearer? What can I do to convince people that the Lord Jesus is the only way? How can I be more persuasive? And yet we know the fact is that there will always be some who reject the gospel, no matter how clear, how lovingly, how powerfully the gospel is presented, no matter if they live up, grow up in a godly home where mum and dad pray with them and for them, and where mum and dad have sought them, told them the ways of the Lord, and they know all of these things. Yet there's not been that response, that positive response. 
But you see, that was what was happening in the life of our Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ had been reaching out to all kinds of people. He'd been reaching out to the poor. He'd been reaching out to the needy. He'd been reaching out to the educated. He'd been reaching, reaching out to the hierarchy. Uh, and uh, he'd been authenticating his ministry by miracles. And he'd been living a flawless life. A life of love and compassion. And people weren't convinced after seeing all that. We may weep over those who refuse to turn to the Lord. Our Lord wept over Jerusalem when it wouldn't receive him. But also, though we weep for the lost, we also praise our Heavenly Father that all things are under his control. He has a sovereign plan for the world, for his kingdom, and for individuals. And people who fail to respond to the Lord Jesus Christ positively show it's their failure, not his. And here the Lord Jesus is expressing his confidence in the sovereignty of his Father. The Lord Jesus acknowledges it's his Heavenly Father's will and Heavenly Father's rightful choice to do as he will with the people he's created in his world and keeping that in mind should help us in our witness it's very easy to be discouraged when our prayers are not answered and our loved ones are not saved when uh, so few show evidence of seriously seeking and finding the Lord but God can take hold of the most cynical and the most hard in a moment that's what he did with the apostle paul perhaps it was a progress of events that had pricked paul's conscience over a period of months or maybe years before he came to christ and the lord jesus in his uh, wonderful ministry is very conscious of a twofold reaction a reaction of non-responsiveness even opposition and a response of welcoming the message you see our task today is to keep sharing the message whether on the rostrum or in the Sunday school or the way we live or the way we speak or the people we engage with it's simply to make our message faithful we must always keep in our mind that our sovereign God is the one alone who can make that message effective, just as it was in the time of Jesus. And then the Lord Jesus goes on in his dialogue to reveal his uh, unique position, reminding the disciples in this open public prayer of his unique position of equality with the Father. The Lord Jesus says, no one knows the Father, the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him to. And the Lord Jesus is revealing to the Jews, the people of his generation, of the fact that he is equal with God, that there is a unique, a wonderful relationship between God the Father, the Creator, 
and he, the saviour of the world, that's been sent to seek and to save the lost and to bring people into the kingdom of God. And the Lord Jesus adds to that, no one knows the Father except the Son and to those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. The Lord Jesus is saying to us tonight that there's only one way to know God. There's only one way to God. And that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. We live in a world of many religions. And many people have a God in their own imagination. And the Lord Jesus is claiming and staking very plainly that no one else has come from the living God and given authentic, credible evidence of his deity. The wonderful thing is also that God's children can know him as a heavenly father in an intimate way. Mahatma Gandhi was a remarkable man. It was believed that he had a very close encounter with Christian people when he was in South Africa. But uh, when he was dying, one of his relatives asked him, in a very familiar term, uh, Babaki, you've been looking for God all your life. Have you found him yet? No, was the reply. I'm still looking. How sad that this remarkable man had come to the end of his life so well educated so well informed about the world's religions and even had some knowledge of Jesus Christ no I'm still looking and he was going to die without knowing God he may have left a wonderful memory he may have done much good but he didn't know God Do you know God? Do you have a relationship so that you pray like you pray to a heavenly father? Like you speak to your father and you pray to your heavenly father in the way you would address respectfully and lovingly and humbly your dad? Finally, Jesus comes to this wonderful closing section. Come to me all you who are weary and burdened. Come to me and I will give you rest. So here is the Lord Jesus speaking to people carrying heavy burdens. He's speaking to people who've got heavy spiritual burdens. Just imagine if you're a Muslim and you've got to follow the five things that will qualify you for heaven. You've got to pray seven times a day you've got to go uh, on pilgrimage you've got to fast you've got to give to the poor you've got to go to the mosque you've got you've got a burden you're carrying that only if you do that perfectly have you got any hope of going to what has been told is the way to heaven you may have been brought up in, in a religious community where it's extremely strict People have been in communities like that where you've got to cross the T's and dot the I's otherwise you're out and you can lose your salvation. The Lord Jesus was meeting Jews. They'd added to God's commandments. 
they had burdened the people with a tremendous lumbering load of commands and laws and rituals and ceremonies. And the Lord Jesus has come to show them that it's not by our religious activities, it's not by our deeds, it's not by our good works that we're going to find rest and have peace with God. We're never going to be good enough by God, even if we get it right in knowing what God wants us to do. We're never going to get that right. Jesus says, come to me. He's come to take our burden away. He's come to live the life that we should have lived. He's come to die the death. To take the penalty for our sin so that we can find rest of mind and heart in him alone. Come, when Jesus says that, is another way of him saying in other places, come to me when you're hungry. Come to me when you're thirsty. You've got a need that draws you to Jesus. You become convicted that you need him. And you come to him. You come to him in prayer. You go where you might meet him. You go to listen to his word or read his word. And Jesus gives rest, he says, to the weary and burdened. Have you ever realised that the burdens of life that people often carry are cumulative? Sometimes bodily frailties and emotional breakdowns are real burdens coming about through the stress of responsibility. Stress of of living a life of care and concern. Jesus is speaking about burdened people. He's speaking of those who are weary as well. People who've been working and are exhausted. Same word is used of the Lord Jesus after he'd been on a long, hot journey. He was weary. And many people are weary of really finding peace with God and finding the way of eternal life. Some want to break free from the trammels of a family life, break free from the way the society they've grown up in lives. They want to experiment, finding another way. But there's no other way to find the life that God intends us to live, which is knowing him and walking with him. And the burdened and the weary and the heavy laden are very often people who have a sense of inadequacy, a sense of guilt. I remember somebody saying to me once, I'm not going to be made to feel guilty about that. We're living in a society where where people don't like to be made to feel guilty. Everything goes. So really you should never feel guilty about anything. And and it's Christianity that sometimes makes people feel guilty. But it's Christianity that also provides the remedy for the guilty conscience. And the life that is astray from God. And when we confess our sins... And turn to Jesus Christ. That burden is immediately lifted. Jesus gives rest to everyone who comes to him. 
Entering into God's rest is to cease from all our self-help to earn God's blessing. Rest is freedom from the disturbing things that come into our lives by knowing that God is with us and he loves us. Rest is something that is settled as we journey on in life. Rest means that we can be confident knowing that he that begun has begun a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Rest is leaning on somebody who can help us through. And that's where the Lord Jesus ends. Take my yoke on me and learn of me and I will give you rest for your souls. A yoke was very familiar in Bible times. You may have seen sometimes in the developing world, perhaps in India or other parts of, of the continent, where they're still using handcarts and oxen are ploughing or oxen are pulling carts and they are yoked together. And a yoke was made of wood to fit evenly over two evenly matched, matched oxen or other animals. And uh, it was often used as a metaphor for submission. A person carrying a yoke was under submission, just as oxen or donkeys, mules more likely, were under submission to their owner. And the yoke was part of the harness of a cart or a plough, and it was a way of keeping the burden evenly spread and a way of keeping the two animals under control doing their useful work. And Jesus is saying to you and to me tonight, take my yoke upon you, for my burden is easy and light. You see, when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, we find the weight he puts on our shoulders is one he shares with us. Take my yoke. In other words, when you sense the weight of responsibility in your life, come and be yoked to me, and we together will be able to go on in life. I will help you bear the loads of responsibility. I will bring you to know that I am with you, and I will go with you, and I will keep you safe. One of the verses in the Bible tells Christians not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And what it means is that when a Christian enters into a relationship with an unbeliever, there's a lot of things that they're not going to have in common. And Jesus almost compares it to an oxen being yoked up to a donkey. Can you imagine the situation for the ox, he's got to carry the whole lot. There's a poor little old donkey down there, and he's not doing much of the work. And the poor old donkey, he's got this uncomfortable yoke, and it's not working very well. The Lord Jesus says, if you come to me and go in my ways, if you listen to me and submit to me, you will find peace for your mind and your heart and your life. Trust me. Don't think that independence is going to make things easier for you. Don't think you can carry the burden 
of life without me. Don't think you're wise enough to know everything without my wisdom. Don't think you've got the strength to cope with everything that's going to come into your life without me. Don't think you're going to go to heaven without putting your trust in me. Come and take my yoke upon you. Be joined to me. Trust me to carry you through life. Trust me to help and to stand by you. Have we heard God's word speaking to us tonight? Jesus is speaking very simply, very plainly about what we need. And I pray that we will.